The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Philip S. Chang. Uh, he's the author of a new book called Taming the Money Sharks. He is also the adjunct professor, associate professor of finance at the University of Science and Technology in Hong Kong, where he speaks to us today. Welcome to the show, Mr. Chang. Thank you for having me. Let's just start with a little bit of your background as an investor and what you bring uh, to uh, having written this book. Okay. Um, I have been doing investing uh, for almost 40 years in banking and investments around the world, and I have seen a lot of bloodshed for stock investors in the market around the world, everywhere. And they almost always make similar mistakes because of the timing is wrong and the information uh, may not be what they really can use. And as a result, uh, they have lost money uh, quite a bit year after year and suffer a lot of pain in the meanwhile. So that's the reason you did this book is to help people avoid the most common mistakes they make? That's absolutely correct, uh, Jordan. See, I have been international conference speakers talking to institutional investors around the world. But then I find out my rewarding feeling is the most when I talk to individual and small investors. I think the large banks and the large financial companies do not really need my help as much as compared to the individual investors because they are the ones who suffer a lot of pain through these years that I've been working uh, in this business. So we're going to get into detail of all the different mistakes people make and how you say people should uh, respond to that. Overall, just to start by defining what you mean by money sharks. Who, who, do you, who are money sharks? <laughs> A great question. Basically, there are two types of money sharks. The first type I would call are the, the good sharks or regular sharks. And they are simply large operators in the stock market, they execute large buy-sell orders based on their own needs. They do not purposely attack small investors or any other investors for that matter. However, due to their huge size, if anyone happens to be in their way, they will get hurt. Now, then you have the malicious sharks, or what I would call the bad Sharks. They would purposely scheme against any investors, especially the small investors. These sharks would use deception to trick and to attack the unwary investors, thereby causing blood loss or total incapacitation. So these sharks hurt small investors the most as they try to influence stock prices by many means, all for their own personal gains. Okay, we're going to get into details on both kinds of them. So let's start at the beginning. And by the way, before we get into that, 
tell people how they can find out more about uh, the book and, and your website and what they can find out at your website. Right, right. Good. See, basically, I wonder if I should mention also this book uh, was also published last year in Hong Kong, China, and it was a bestseller uh, right away uh, for three solid months in number one ranking in, in business books. And that's why what encouraged me to write this in English and to share with, with many people around the world. Very good. So tell us again, what is your website address that people can find out, and what do they see at that website? Yes, uh, the website is uh, www.philipscheng.com. Philip would be single L, P-H-I-L-I-P, and an S, as in Sam, and Cheng, C-H-E-N-G.com. If you go to the website, uh, you can see my uh, book uh, on the website, and I also have events um, talking about my book, whether it's a radio show or whether it's background on myself or a, a television show. Very good. Okay, we're going to start at the beginning now. The first thing you say that investors need to do is to stop the bleeding um, so they can continue to invest. So, And, and one of the first thing you say that people do that's wrong is chasing a hot stock. Why do people chase hot stocks and how can they get hurt by that? Well, uh, that's a great point. You see, for most of the time, people buy stocks really out of emotion instead of out of a good, deliberate action resulting a good research. Now, the research doesn't have to to be very complicated. Like in my book, I did not use many financial jargons at all, but they have to know the industry, they have to know the stock, and they have to have some idea whether the stock price is the right timing or not the right timing to buy or to sell for that matter. That's why I have only eight maxims in this book to follow. So like any sport, whether it's baseball or, or soccer or tennis or anything, in every industry, there are certain rules and regulations. And there's certain things that you need to understand in each business, just like in each sport. If you're good in tennis, you don't, you don't just go to a football field and be a good person in, in a football player. And vice versa, if you're a good football player, you can just step into a tennis court and say, hey, I'm a good tennis player too because I'm a good football player. It just doesn't work that way in investment. And that's why, as you say, you cannot just listen to a good tips from anybody and then rush into a stock and, and, and chances are you'll get hurt because by the time most of the information come to these small investors, they're already a little bit late. And so they almost always buy when the stock is already very high. And that's why I'm trying to caution them. Uh, they do not rush into a stock. See, we should all strike while the iron is hot, but not in stock buying. And I try to explain that's the number one thing that everybody should look at. And then I have a flow chart guiding everybody how to take step-by-step step 
in buying a stock. And that's a major difference of this book compared to, say, 99 other stock buying book. That's a flow chart. We're going to get into that, yes. Let's just right. st- stick with this uh, chasing a hot stock uh, for the moment. I mean, for example, this year, uh, Tesla has been a very hot stock. Uh, right. Amazon has been a hot stock. Google has been a hot stock. You know, they've gone up a lot. So people would say, if I'm not getting into these stocks that are going up quadruple and so on, I'm missing out on huge opportunities. Even if they're high, they keep going higher. Why shouldn't I put some money into these things that seem to be the best place in the market? How can people resist when there's such seems like that's the, the best thing to invest in? <laughs> so true. So true. See, see, all of these stocks that you mentioned, they are maybe indeed good stock. But what I'm, I'm not questioning whether these stocks are good or not, but they are good stock. But time again and again, people lost money. It's not because they did not buy stocks in good companies. They just buy the wrong time. And then they also sell the wrong time. And in this book in Chapter 4, which we can cover later on, is how, what's the timing? And that's the key, why people really sometimes do not have a clue as to what the timing is. You mentioned all these stocks are good. Now, it's good to chase them. If you can get out in time, then obviously you make a few dollars in chasing up a stock. But most people, frankly speaking, they do not know when to get out. So you you talk about some specific uh, bubbles, like the the, the, uh, tulip bubble in Holland and the property market in Hong Kong and the dot-com bubble. What, what bubble do you think is going on right now? What would be the equivalent of those bubbles in today's marketplace? Well, um, today is less defined than all these other bubbles because there are so many reasons coming in around the world. See, right now, we're all influenced by global events. There's so many things happening around the world, and we, and we all know them. And so it takes any of this so-called geopolitical things to happen, or it could be a financial thing to happen, and it could drag down uh, the, the whole stock market. This, the stock market, you can see, is recovering slowly, but the economy is still sort of feeble recovery. It's not a very powerful recovery. So uh, when you buy stock, you have to buy at the right price, just in case the overall market drops. Uh, if you're uh, at the right price, you don't lose as much, or at least you don't gain as much, depending on the price you get in. And that's what um, later on we can discuss as to how to time the entry into a stock. But the one thing we must avoid is buying on just this pure euphoria that this stock will go up forever. And, and that is something that we need to learn. One of the things you say is that people should cool down uh, instead of rushing into buying something. So how would they do that? They see Tesla going up quadruple. So how should they approach that and cool down and and, not miss a a big move in something that's really hot? Okay. Now, good point. Now, uh, if they want to chase a good stock, that's fine. As long as they have gone through uh, the, the company, the key ratios, and the industry, they have to understand the, the key industry terms 
and the rules, whether whatever the company is, every industry is different from the other industry. So they can, no one can be good in all 68 industries around the world. Even if you don't sleep, you don't eat, nobody can be good in all 68 industries, one person. Now, a large corporation, they have analysts covering all 68 industries, so that's why they know when to buy, when to sell. But if you're hopping from one industry to one another and just all look at the, the stock chart and say, hey, I don't want to miss this, and that is so dangerous. And I've seen it happen, and people really lose a lot of blood on just by following a stock chart and say, hey, I don't want to miss this. Yes, and indeed. And it's very painful. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Philip S. Cheng. Uh, he is the author of a new book called Taming the Money Sharks. His website is philip, with one L, philip s cheng, C-H-E-N-G, dot com. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Business owners, do you run your business or does your business run you? Put yourself on the road to success by tuning in to Success Unchained with hosts Anthony and Julie McGloin. At last, discover how to overcome your biggest challenges, take control of your business, and achieve the results you've always dreamed of. Find out how with our resident master business coach and world-class guest experts. Transform the nine key areas of your business and unchain your true potential. Tune in Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Think of the world. 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more, tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. 
Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Philip S. Cheng. Uh, he is a, a professor of finance in Hong Kong. He was a chief investment officer at MetLife in Taiwan. He's written a new book called Taming the Money Sharks. And you can find out more about it at his website, which is philipscheng.com. Welcome back to the show, Philip. Thank you. So the next area you say people should do is to select an industry to increase the probability of profitable investments. So how should people go about picking an industry that they think would be a good place to invest in? Okay. Now, I, I we all know that like so many industries, and one can never be good in all of the industries, even if the person does not sleep or eat. Uh, and In my book, I did mention that to start with an industry that you are already in, in your profession or at the line you work that you are doing. Uh, for example, my book mentioned uh, my old friend John. Uh, he is a stock buyer year after year, but he's also a loser year after year because he does not stay in one industry, which to him is the IT industry. Now, he's the head of an IT department. He knows software. He knows hardware. He knows all the top companies in both businesses, but he does not buy them because he likes to listen to hot tips from the media. The media friends are good. They report good things, but he himself may buy the wrong price. And so I asked John to stay with the IT stock just for six months or 12 months, or depending on similar people, if they want to stay in one business and concentrate and learn the industry, learn the top companies in the industry and learn about the rules and the regulations, the terminology, and what makes a company good. Who are their price setter? How do people make money in the, in the market? Who are the buyers? On and on and on. And by knowing all these basic fundamentals, then the person will start to know when next time when the media, whether it's a television or radio or or the newspaper reporting a stock, then it makes sense to the person. Otherwise, if you don't know the terminology, then you just don't understand why the stock is good or why the stock is bad. And that's why I suggest anybody to start with one industry. And then you can go from one to two and to three later on, depending on how much time. Uh, Some people have a lot of time analyzing stock around the around the clock. And some people are, are very busy with their family, with their work, and they don't have that much time. But the key is to stay one at a time and learn one word and then move on to another one. Now, many of my friends will say, hey, Professor Philip, you are against all the rules in investments in the history that you are not diversifying. I say, yes and no, because diversification in the right way, then you can diversify risks. But if you diversify the wrong way, like many of my old friends, they diversify their losses. Instead of one stock they lost, they lost in many stocks. And that's the, that's the difference. What are some of the industry characteristics people should look for? Uh, if it's you know, their own industry where they're working or if they've done a little bit of that in other industries that they're not working in but they're interested in, what are some of the characteristics to look for in a profitable industry? Now, this is a great question. Now, for example, let's go back to John again. He's in the IT industry. 
he would know, for example, IT industry as an industry, they operate on a gross margin or pick a number, say 50% is a wrong number. And most industries would be different than this one because each industry is different. Just like I was saying, each sport, you have different rules and regulations. Now, as compared to the, the grocery business, or uh, the supermarket, if you go to the supermarket, find tomato and potato, in that industry, the gross margin may be, say, 25%. And so if you do not know these two basic differences in gross margin in the industry, how would anybody know it's a top company, or it's a bad company, or, or it's, a, it's a mediocre company? And that's one of the basis of all companies is how well do they do the gross margin? We don't know that. You can't even, you should not buy any stock if you don't know the industry's gross margin. And, and that's the reason I can go in, in the details. Why do you not look into earnings per share or we call net profit? See, I've been in investments long enough not to use that number because that number is a good number for reference. But the key is gross margin, not net margin. That's why I don't know why for years and years people only learn about a company makes what we call bottom line. And that's not very uh, useful because the bottom line has been what we call accounting packaging so much uh, by the company that you never really understand. Then you say, well, how about gross margin? Why can't they fix the margin to, yes, everything is relative. But compared to bottom line and the gross margin, gross margin relatively is an easier way to look at an industry and look at a company. Okay, good. And now, you also have a, a whole section. Yes. Okay, we, I get the idea that we should look at gross margins. You also have a whole chapter on wise use of information resources. So, People are getting information from all kinds of different places, friends and relatives, brokers, the media, analysts. How should they figure out who to listen to and who, who sh they should not listen to? <laughs> Great question. See, most of us trust our friends, our relatives, uh, and even our media friends because we listen to the radio and to television and the certain favorite newspaper. And, and all are good information with good intentions. But on the other hand, uh, the people who report all these stocks or company information, they do not know you. Only you know who you are, what you want, and what your risk profile is, and how much you can lose, or what kind of risk you can take. And that's why you have to use this information wisely. You should thank all of them for providing information, but only you need to know as to how it fits into your portfolio. And many of this information are not, I would say they are irrelevant information because it doesn't really help you to make money. And the only reason why I wrote the book is want you to make money. It's not to be entertained or not to have a lot of fun or not to have a lot of excitement. Those are all good. But if you follow my eight points in the book and, and chapter three, and you mentioned, Jordan, uh, it's a key thing to how you use information. 
You should learn from the media. You should use them as a good reference. But you make your own decision based on the flowchart, step by step, as to how you buy stock. One specific area you talk about is listening to what you call large investors or possible sharks. These would be like hedge fund managers or people who are trying to do takeovers or you know big investors who have lots of money. Is it generally a bad idea to to follow if they buy something? You know, Warren Buffett or Carl Icahn or some big hedge fund manager, people then follow right in after him. Is that usually a bad idea? Well, uh, I would not say so. I would say you should thank them for mentioning certain stocks. But if you happen to be in that industry, I think you can benefit greatly from these people who have been so famous around the world because once you know the the terminology and, and the financial numbers, and you fit into your own industry, your it could be one, two, or three, then you can you can still benefit tremendously because these people they supply information, but only you would know whether the information is is already stale or not stale, or whether they're irrelevant or they're relevant. Because now you already know the industry working, you know how the price is being set, you know the supply and demand, you know all of these things. So you are the one can really benefit from these so-called special situations or special events, what I call. Yeah. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, you should be also be careful that uh, you have to know, look at the stock price, look at the industry, whether all these stories that you read or learn from the media, how is the timing? Is it already gone in terms of usefulness? Or is it just fresh? And that's how you can make big money. Are you a believer in the random walk theory that the current prices basically reflect all basic information, therefore you you really can't gain an edge, and therefore, in effect, they're saying you should do index funds because you can't beat the market? Well, I think you can beat the market. Uh, That's a good point. Because you, if you know the industry and know the companies, the best companies in the industries, you can consistently beat the market. And, and, and my, I have done it, and my friends have done it, listen, listening to what they can do best and doing the, the right kind of homework. So you don't have to do a lot of homework, but you have to have some homework. And that's what brings you to be the best in, in, in the investors group. And that's why the chapter four is important too. As a, when I was going through training uh, in Wall Street many years ago, we were taught to use 36 ratios to measure a company, whether the company is good or not. And I know my book readers will not use 36 ratios. They don't have time. They are working. They have families to take care of. And so I only use five key ratios to screen a company. If those five key ratios don't work, then drop the company. Don't waste time because your time is precious. Okay, we're going to take a break and then we'll come back to what those five ratios are uh, so people can understand how to buy stocks at uh, good prices. Uh, my guest this hour is uh, Philip S. Cheng. He's a uh, associate professor of finance at the University of Science and Technology in Hong Kong. He was a former chief investment officer at MetLife in Taiwan. And he's the author of a new book called Taming the Money Sharks. His website is philipscheng.com. We'll be back after this.
stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Philip S. Cheng, who's a professor of finance in Hong Kong. He's also done a new book called Taming the Money Sharks. His website is philipscheng.com. Welcome back to the show, Philip. Thank you. So we were getting into the five key indicators that you should look at in uh, seeing whether a stock is overvalued or undervalued and when, when to buy it. The first one is sales growth percentage. So basically describe what that's about and how people can find it and use it. Okay, now, um, all of these five indicators, this is the easiest one and it's the most basic. Now, I have struggled myself when writing this book whether I should use 36 indicators or, or five or, or two or whatever magic number. But I know these five, once you go through them, uh, they give you a fairly good idea whether the company is worth you to even look into or just throw it away. Uh, sales growth is basic. It's basically compared are the sales of the company year after year, whether they're growing or not growing. So that I'm sure like 90% of our readers would easily be able to find it uh, in the income statement. Uh, that's the easy one. Then the next one is uh, gross this, margin percentage. We talked about that a little bit before. So what is it that right. you're looking for? Are you wanting the gross margin to be expanding or bigger than other companies in the industry? What are you looking for in the gross margin percentage? Uh, gross margin, yes, both, uh, Jordan. Uh, I, I like it, the gross margin, to be at least as good as the industry. That's number one. Number two, I wish it to be growing, but at least not declining. If it's declining, then we just run away. Uh, 
I think we should run the numbers for at least three years, if not five years, to get a feeling. And that shouldn't be that much time. It's a gross margin. It's a basic because, as I mentioned before, there's always accounting tricks, if you would, that uh, many companies use as a rule, and, and they're all legal. But if you use gross margin versus the, what we call earnings per share or, earn, or bottom line, uh, you'll get a much better feeling of the company. Now, going back to what I said earlier, each industry has a typical gross margin, whether it's a high-tech company or whether it's a grocery business or whether it's a real estate company or whether it's um, a company selling furniture. Uh, that's just always a standard industry one. And you obviously, each company is different. But if you look at the gross margin and if it's not growing, if it's declining, then it's a, it's a big red flag to, to run away. All right, your third key indicator is the debt to net worth ratio. So uh, what is that and what, how, how should you find out if that's going to help you buy the stock or not? Okay, now that's good. Now that's very simple. Look at the balance sheet and look at the total debt and the net worth of the company. And the total debt, again, this number should be, should be that level. It should not be growing unless the company is obviously growing the same pace. Then obviously it's natural. Now the, let me give you an example. Many companies, they use bank debt or any other debt. They incur a lot of money, not they make, but they borrow from the banks or other places. And they use that money to come into the balance sheet and income statement and pump up their sales, pump up their net profit. So that is very easy to do. And, and even simple things like that, people don't know. Now, I used to do lending in my previous employer. When I do cash flow lending, I need to know uh, the, the gross margin and the debt net worth is in line with the company and in line with the industry. Because if I lose money in a, in a company when they are going out of bankrupt, uh, I should be the one to blame. But don't look at these two most basic indicators. They are financing their profit with bank debt. Okay, then your next one is net cash flow from core operations. So right now, you're, this you're, is the most simple. Uh, this is just one single number. It's a dollar. It's not a ratio. It's simply the amount of cash flow the company makes from core operations. Now, core meaning from their own businesses. It's not the cash they get by selling a building or by, by selling a subsidiary or anything like that. It's just a normal operations, how they generate cash. Now, cash is why so, so important is because in many numbers, when they have a ratio, you can play around with what I call accounting packaging. You can make things look good, look bad, look mediocre, etc. But cash flow is cash flow. It's just a dollar. If the cash flow is increasing in the company, if you are not from the bank debt or from other kinds of like um, what I call accounting tricks, then it's a healthy company, and then you should continue to look in the company. Do you want the cash flow to be growing at a particular rate based on different industries? Uh, yes, uh, growing with the industry, growing with the sales. For example, the, for example, the sales are growing up, say, 10% every year. And if the 
if the cash flow is flat or declining, then it's a big problem. But the sales are growing up 10%, the cash flow also growing 10%. You say, hey, so this company is, is genuine. There's no accounting tricks. Uh, it, it's credible numbers. And that is so important. This is a solid dollar. No ratios. No, it's very simple to get. Uh, cash flow is isn't. Cash flow is different than earnings. Earnings may may be useless for me, but cash flow is very important for me when I look at a company. And your your final the fifth uh, ratio you look for is net cash flow from corporations. What we just talked about divided by total assets. So that's a ratio. So what is that telling you? Right. Now, that one tells you how efficient the company is, is using their total assets to, to make the cash flow. Again, I'm pointing out I'm not using earnings or earnings per share divided by total assets per share. I'm looking at cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. So if my listeners do not learn anything today at all, learn the cash flow of a company is 10 times more important than earnings or earnings per share. And that, and that should also be increasing as time goes by, or at least staying level. And I know there are 36 ratios all overall at least, and what I used to do when I do lending. That's why I boil down to five because they're manageable. I know my friends will not run 36 ratios for any company to buy stocks. Uh, they may run five, and I hope they would. That will help them tremendously through the years to make consistent money. So when you have these five ratios that are looking good, then you have a whole system on how you should decide when to buy and sell a stock. I mean, it may have good ratios and good numbers, but the stock has already moved up a lot. It's a hot stock. How do you decide what the right price is to buy uh, these stocks if they have good numbers in those ratios? Right. Now, that's why going back to this Chapter 4 in – I mentioned that one has to look at the stock history, uh, whether it's high-tech or whether it's a furniture company, doesn't matter. See, after you go through the five ratios, you know it's a good company, then you look at the history of the stock prices and the, and the volume of the stock prices and where they are now. And that's how also technical analysis can also come in to help. Look at the moving averages, look at the key technical analysis, which I also point out in my appendix. I don't need you to spend a lot of time in technical analysis because I think fundamental analysis basically is, is very important. But technical analysis will help you to decide on a stock price. For example, if a stock has been very, very hot and be way, way above the normal spectrum, what they call Bollinger Band, or the moving averages, then you need to be careful. If you do buy in the stock, don't buy too much because it's, it's way, way too hot. No good stock go up forever and ever. That's in my experience. They always come back and, and don't rush into it. If it's truly a good company, you have a lot of time to buy in at your price. And then you have a whole section on portfolio strategies. So once you've got some good stocks, how do you put a portfolio together of various stocks from various industries uh, so it, it, you, you actually benefit from diversification? No. See, um, this is a 
risk profile situation for every investor. Obviously, everyone has their own risk when they buy the stock. But basically, I'm trying to introduce the idea that uh, for new stocks, for, um, for new things that you want to invest in, put it into what I call a satellite portfolio. For example, see 20% or 30% of your portfolio. And if things get to the worst situation, you lose all 20%. It's not the end of the world. And that's what my friend, for example, um, he was during the tech crisis, and he lost everything because he put all his money into tech stocks during the 2000 crash. And he and now um, uh, he's a retired person, but he has to work because he just does not have the concept of a satellite portfolio versus a core portfolio which are either in cash or in very safe stocks or, or safe bonds or any, any uh, safe asset of some kind. And, and this concept is different, obviously, applied to different people. In, with their age is different, uh, with, and with their family, responsibility is different. So, but the, the concept is important. So the core portfolio are things you really like and you think you should hold on to for many, many years, and the satellite are things you should move in and out of based on opportunities? Is that the idea? That's the idea. That's the idea. And also the a core portfolio can also benefit you because as it grows bigger, you can also use the stock from the satellite portfolio once you know they are safe because you know the industry now, you know the company now, you can move it into the core portfolio. And then you use the new, use your cash to, to try out new stocks. And you go step by step. And this particular concept is extremely important for people who want to enjoy financial freedom. That they don't, if anything happens in the market, they don't lose the, all their money. Well, you're saying the satellite portfolio should be pretty much invested all the time. You're just changing which stocks are in there. You're not, right. That's right? your test tube. That's your, that's, your, that's your testing ground for yeah. any new assets. It could be a new stock. It could be a new new asset of any kind, uh, and, but just don't put in too much into that satellite portfolio. Now, of course, your age is different, and your family uh, situation may be different, but uh, you have to have that concept. Very good. Okay, we're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My uh, guest this hour is Professor Philip Cheng. Uh, he's an associate professor of finance at the University of Science and Technology in Hong Kong. Uh, his new book is called uh, Taming the Money Sharks, and his website is philipscheng.com. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. How can we Americans realize our dreams to earn a living? How can you pursue your dream and make money as an owner or an employee? Learn how at The American Business Person, the online weekly radio talk show hosted by Rich Killian. 
Today's business leaders share how to succeed and what fails. If you own a new or established business or ever hope to, you must tune in. Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, and noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel or listen on demand to our archived shows. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Professor Philip Cheng. Uh, He is the Associate Professor of Finance at the University of Science and Technology in Hong Kong. He's the author of a new book called Taming the Money Sharks. And his website is philipscheng.com. Welcome back to the show, Philip. Thank you. So we, you have a chapter on what you call loving an investment or loving to make money. Uh, what's wrong with loving an investment and why do you not make money by, by falling in love with the stock? <laughs> well, because I have seen again from experience that um, not just uh, small investors, even big investors. Uh, we are all human. Around the world, I've seen people they can fall in love with an asset or fall in love with a stock. Um, For whatever reason, they fall in love. Sometimes when the stock or the asset prices go down, they do not let go because it's their old love, and and they they cannot get out of it. And meanwhile, they they lose money. And and I have examples in the books, for for example, that people uh, just have benefit from a stock or from an asset. Like in this case, I have a Jenny, the doctor. Uh, she loved commodity stock, commodity futures, and she, for a while, made money uh, from it. But so much that she fell in love with it. So when the prices dropped, she would not let go. And she kept on borrowing money uh, from her relatives and later on from, from loan sharks just to keep her position. But it just... Um, the result is very, very painful. Uh, she has declared bankruptcy, and, and it's just so sad. And so so, so this, when should you, um, uh, should you set a stop-loss order or to avoid falling in love? When should you cut your yeah. losses when something uh, starts going down? That's absolutely correct. Uh, that's one of the ways is to – but a stop-loss order, I know it's easy to say, like in many books and many newspapers, but it's hard to do. And again, going back to Chapter 2 – you need to know the industry. In Chapter 4, you need to know the stock, the behavior of the stock. Because for one industry, setting, say, a 10% stop loss is appropriate, but for another industry, it's not. So that's why the basics, 
how to set stop loss is important. And the stop loss setting it is more difficult than when to buy a stock. And that's why buying a stock, the timing is critical. See, if you buy at a low price, you would never have a problem in stop loss because you buy so low and it's such a good timing. And this, your worry now is becoming how much money you want to make, what kind of profit margin you want to make on your stock instead of a stop loss. But again, we're all human beings. We, we have sometimes some losses, even the best of the best do lose money, and the stop loss comes in very important. So that's a good idea to, to avoid falling in love. Now, then you, ha you have your final chapter is what you call fully enjoy your profits from stocks, and you say it's not only about money, but it's also about a kind of lifestyle and being healthy. What are some things people can do to be healthy while they're doing all the investing things we've been talking about? Well, the, the thing to do is have a worry-free portfolio, and that's what this book uh, is. So, so this book is really not just an investment book. It's also a psychology book. It's also almost like a medical book. If you follow the book, since you don't worry about your portfolio or about any stocks for that matter, you live a happy life. And on the other side, if you worry about your portfolio and if you are constantly having bad health because of your stock portfolio, even if you have all the millions and millions and if you're sitting in a wheelchair, you're not going to enjoy your money that well. And that's why this book uh, talks about a high school teacher, Jonathan. Um, he worries about his gold mining stock, and he just have a wrong way to deal with it. And then later on, um, he has so many problems uh, that he can never recover with or without money. And that's why it's so important to follow the flowchart in the book, to go step by step, and and uh, the result uh, can be very enjoyable with good health and, and with your wealth. Yeah. So um, you say the three main emotions that, that drive people crazy are worry, anger, and fear. So how can you, I mean, the market is volatile. It can make people very worried and nervous and angry and so on. How can you avoid getting swept up in those three emotions when the market's so volatile every day? Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a great question. See, what happened is, that's how your positioning is important. See, uh, in, in a volatile market, you do not have to stay in the market. See, you, if you look at your own portfolio, your own industry, every industry is different. Sometimes when the market is good, your industry may, may not be good or may, may be in a different phase. As, and you do not need to make money from all 68 industries in the world. If you make good money in one, two, or three industries, that you can make millions of money already in worry-free manner because you know the stock, you, you know the behavior of the industry, and, and that's the basis of, of, of you have a worry-free portfolio. Because in, in case of volatility, you would, for example, have got out a long time ago. You will leave because you know you're following the stock, you're following the industry. So you know how much risk to take, and you will have bought in the right price. But you also again, have a final the chapter. Of, the days You're... of leaving a portfolio unattended is gone now, uh, Jordan. One must spend time in, in the portfolio 
you don't, I'm not saying you have to watch your portfolio every minute, no, but you have to follow it. Many of my friends, they bought a, the stock, they leave it there in the portfolio, and, and for months and months, they don't look at it. Those days are gone. You have a chapter, actually, it's appendix on basic technical analysis. So how should you use, we don't have to explain all of it, but how should you use technical analysis to monitor your portfolio on top of all of what you talked about, which is pretty much fundamental analysis? Yes. On uh, the technical analysis, for example, any stock, that's a history of the stock. The low point, high point, whether they're at the moving average line or uh, whether they are within a certain band of prices that they used to, to behave. And, and using that as a good guideline, you would know when you want to buy the stock, emotion or not emotion, you know whether you are buying it at, at, at a reasonable price. I always talk about never buy your stock all at one time. Even if the stock is good, you buy one-third at one time, and then you wait another, another one-third and another one-third. And that's a reason to do that one-third or, or whatever proportion that one wants to use. Uh, because that way, if you buy correctly, you will not have to worry about because you, and don't fight a battle that you cannot win. In fact, this is from the uh, old sage uh, people saying that if you have to fight a battle, you got to fight a battle that you want to win. And just like buying a stock, never buy a stock when it's overpriced, no matter how good it is. Yeah. All right, we have about two minutes to go. Why don't you just kind of sum up what difference it would make in people's lives and investment portfolios if they follow your eight principles compared to what most people do now? Well, uh, basically, I, I want people to follow a step-by-step -step approach, and I do not know of many books who have been written by people who have been in a battlefield and fighting every day and seeing bloodshed. So I, I wish people can follow step-by-step, step, know this industry, know the stock, do the minimal amount of homework, minimal homework, and then follow the step-by-step, step, and the money will come. Uh, the compounding effect uh, will be helping you if you make money consistently. So it's not worrying about what stock that you lose. It's worrying about the stock that you are gaining consistently, and that's the, the key thing. Uh, and it's everywhere in the world. Uh, control your emotions, and you'll have a happy life and happy lifestyle in investing. Very good. My guest during this hour of the Money Answer Show has been Professor Philip Cheng. Uh, he's the Associate uh, Professor of Finance at the University of Science and Technology in Hong Kong. He was formerly the Chief Investment Officer at, at MetLife in Taiwan. And his new book is called Taming the Money Sharks. Uh, you can find out more about it at his website, which is Philip scheng.com, Philip with one L. And so you've been very, very interesting. I think people will get a lot out of this. So thank you so much for being a guest on the Money Answer Show, Philip. Thanks for having me. Thank you again. And we'll be back again with another edition of the Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.